Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Dermot and Dave's Mind Yourself Now. Mind Yourself Now. Mind Yourself Now. Mind Yourself Now. Now, each Monday, it's all about minding yourself. And for this month, we've been focusing on all things to do with the body. We had cardiologist David Burke chatting hearts earlier on. We had Niall Moyna told us the least amount of activity we need to survive. <laughs> this week, we're looking at our eyes. Stephen Farrell is a consultant ophthalmic surgeon and he's with us this morning to chat about all things eye related. How are you, Stephen? Very good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, pleasure to have you here in person. What would you be doing at half ten on a Monday usually? Well, um, usually, although you can never really predict uh, what's going to come out of the woodwork, but usually this is the, the one time in the week that I can catch up on a bit of paperwork. That's why I can come in to meet you guys. Oh, okay, so Monday's not the busiest day of the week then. The rest of the week gets busier and busier, exactly. I presume. It starts lunchtime on a Monday and it's pretty much relentless after that. But um, When did you realise the eye was the place that you wanted to, no pun intended, focus on? Yeah. Well, I guess it started in college. Everyone uh, seems to, to go for to recognize their own thing and uh, as you pass through yeah you get exposed to all these different things and the eye just kind of clicked with me you know it seemed like a, a fascinating kind of organ and the surgery uh very neat surgery and and uh, it gets a, a good mix of things you know from surgery to lots of medical side to it as well so mm. just clicked you know does the technology update very quickly like has science advanced a lot say since you started your first operations is there, can you do a lot more now? Can you do more intricate stuff? And are there conditions that you can essentially cure or fix now that you couldn't before? Yeah, certainly the technology is always increasing. Like, And we're very lucky. We have great technology. Our operations use use some really great technology with new new lasers and things like that coming on. Um, but and, and I guess some of the areas that have really changed things are we use these injections of these great antibodies now for that can really cure diseases that when I started were really only appearing. So things like macular degeneration now, those injections that you hear about, they're really game changers and, and they've, they've really come along. And then there's even genetic treatments that eyes is one of the areas that probably will have some of the, the first uh, the first actual genetic treatments. You know, there is in fact a genetic treatment to, to, to go in and fix fix the actual broken genes. So that's something that, wow. you know, it's just getting getting started but it's something to, to watch out for probably so just because you know you would normally inherit you know crappy eyesight maybe you can get in there and fix that before it manifests yeah no it's still very early days um there isn't really any massive ga- game changer uh genetic treatments yet but i think you know there will be some uh, they are coming and mm. yeah eyes will probably good news well you you mentioned macular degeneration there and there's a question about that it says is it hereditary my mother has the dry version and has very little sight left she's in her 80s also my aunt on the other side of the family has it but the other type so she can get injections is there anything i can do to prevent getting macular degeneration sure yeah well macular degeneration um Age-related macular degeneration, for those who haven't heard of it, it, it's one of these things that does exactly what it says in the tin. It's a a degeneration of the macula. The macula is the center of your retina, so it's the area you're using when you're really focusing on things, when you're reading. It's got the most detailed vision, and unfortunately, it's the area that that, that gets damaged. So it affects your ability to see faces and to read, can cause some distortion of things. Um, It is the most common cause of, of vision loss in the over 50s. Um, affecting about seven percent of of Irish people in that in the as they get older, um, and certainly is it hereditary is the question. Well, it is. You know, if you have a first degree relative with macular degeneration, you're about three times more likely to get it yourself. You can't you can't change your genes here. <laughs> certainly mm. not in this in this scenario. Um, so, but thankfully there are modifiable risk factors. So the first thing 
smoking would be a big thing. Um, smoking much increased your risk. So if you need any other reasons to give up smoking, uh, that's another reason. Um, diet is a big thing. So um, this is an area where it's the other thing. The things that help you in other areas of life will also help you with your macula. So uh, green leafy vegetables, things like kale and spinach are good for your macula. They say to eat... Um, uh, colourful fruits, orange and yellow things like peppers and uh, carrots. Uh, and um, are, are there supplements I hear people take sometimes to prevent macular degeneration? There are, yeah. And if you have the kind of mild or if you're getting the beginnings of macular degeneration, there's good evidence that these things are effective at reducing the progression and reducing your chances of getting bigger problems. So, um, yeah, there's big, big evidence for them. It's vit- like antioxidants, vitamins mm. like vitamin C, vitamin E zinc, copper, and okay. then I've got these retinal pigments that you um, do find in some of those vegetables, but um, they're also available in supplements. So it's kind of a question about if you don't actually have the beginning of it, are these supplements uh, actually helpful? There's not, not so much evidence for that, but certainly um, your diet yeah. uh, is a big factor there. So there's lots mm. you can do to try to re- reduce your risk. The other thing is get the eyes checked every so often by an optometrist even or, or an eye doctor if you're worried yeah we're going to fire some more questions at you hopefully you can uh, answer our listeners uh, queries what's the best remedy for dry eyes I suffer it daily says Eddie okay so dry eyes very very common common symptom um, I guess the first thing to do is is it associated with something else sometimes you just have dry eyes and they feel tired and gritty um, sometimes it's associated with something else like allergy you know, or you know, hay fever, or you can have other issues causing kind of burning and stinging in the eyes that can contribute to it. Um, but if it's dry eye alone and you're feeling the, your eyes are dry and gritty, I guess you know, look out for the lifestyle things, things like alcohol and things like that, red wine. Some people it really exacerbates it. Your environment: Are you working in a car or a van which has you know uh, aircon blowing in your face all day? Mm. Uh, stay hydrated. These are the kind of simple measures, um, and then. You know, there's dietary factors as well. A lot of omega-3 fish oils over a long time may improve your symptoms. But then you get down to kind of ocular lubricants, replacing the replacing the tears with um, artificial tears. So there's loads of them available on the market. Uh, I wouldn't promote any brand in particular, but like get one that doesn't have any preservative in it is important and try out different ones to see what suits you. You'll get a feel for how often you need to take them. Um, if you're having real problems, really troublesome symptoms that are going on a long time, there are lots of other things. There's various other medications or things you can have done. You may need to see, you may need to see someone like an ophthalmologist in the long term. You know, if you're having serious symptoms that, that you're not uh, able to look after with. Mm. Well, let's go the exact opposite. Someone else says, "Can I get some advice on watery eyes? Yeah. <laughs> Looks like I'm crying. I don't have to be out in the wind or anything. It just flows. Then they get irritable from me drying them." Okay. Well. In fact, that could actually be dry eye, but it's, but um, paradoxically, but it could be a number of things. So, you know, watery eyes, uh, there's a lot of things that can cause watering. The first one you always in the textbooks is emotional, uh, but I think you don't need to be an ophthalmologist to know if someone's just, just upset and crying. But, uh, <laughs> but um, things like allergy, things like blepharitis, which is a condition causing irritation of the eyes, can cause you to produce extra tears because the eyes are tear- irritated. But I'd say, actually, in the, for this listener... It sounds like there might be a, a plumbing problem actually with the drainage of the tears, that they're not making extra tears, but just we all have some excess tears that get washed through little ducts, um, little tubes, you know, under the skin that come out uh, from our lids and drain the excess tears into the nose. And in some people, they can be blocked. You'll hear of babies where they're blocked and they have this constant sticky eye, but adults can also have narrowing and blockage of that. And um, 
and it's kind of a plumbing issue and you, you would actually an ophthalmologist would see uh, patients with those troublesome kind of long-standing tearing right it can be very troublesome if you're like having an interview or if you're working <laughs> i'm not crying i'm very confident <laughs> please give me the job yeah it, it can be it can be a real troublesome symptom so if it's just when you're out in the wind usually you wouldn't be going for any kind of surgery for it but if it's if it's something that's bothering you uh, quite a bit, you may need to see an eye doctor and there is, you know, operations sometimes that they do to, to, to fix that plumbing. Mm. Matt was on to us a few minutes ago playing a quiz with us and he knew you were coming in so he wanted to know if you can answer this question for him. He gets fuzz moving across his eye and then it disappears but like it's a fuzzy kind of feeling moving across his eye and he can see it and then it disappears. What's happening to Matt? Okay, well, it could be a couple of things. Um, it could be like a... Uh, what we call a floater, which is usually like, yeah, something... In oh, is that an actual term? Because somebody texted that in, yeah. I just assumed that was what, like, lay people call it, but a floater yeah, is an actual medical term. Floaters. Okay, yeah. okay, right. Uh, it is a symptom, yeah. So, uh, floaters are pretty common. Um, you have different types, you have, um, you, you know, uh, they'll be common enough, and usually they're not, in the most people, they're not a sign of anything significant, but if you do get new onset kind of significant floaters, you know, you actually do need to get your eyes checked if you get a big floater disappearing out of the blue uh, because it's probably a little change in the vitreous at the back of the eye which is this gel that fills the back of the eye and at some st- stage in our life that kind of shrinks down a little bit and, and separates from the retina and you can see a little shadow at the back of that gel. Now, occasionally as that process is happening it might cause a little tear in the edge of the retina which can go on to cause retinal detachment so not to scare Matt sure. too much there but, but you need to get it checked yeah, I guess the advice new onset significant floaters you, you should get it checked right? yeah. yeah I have a lazy right eye 20% vision will laser treatment be effective to correct my vision I'm 41 okay well uh, lazy eyes people use it people it's not a technical term lazy eyes but people do use it in different different uh, uh, ways but I presume they're talking about a thing called amblyopia so amblyopia is Basically, if you don't have a focused image uh, on your retina as a child, and that's either because you've got a big glasses prescription that you didn't realize you have or because you've got a turn in the eye that isn't corrected. If you've got that going on under the age of, you know, in your early childhood, um, the vision, the visual pathways in the brain won't, won't develop properly. Um, and by about the age of seven or eight, all that, you have a very plastic you know, very changeable, um, developing brain up until that age, but things kind of get set in stone um, after the age of seven and into your early teens. So it, it just the pure amblyopia side of things um, probably can't really be corrected by the age of, of 41. Now, there may be some kind of glasses component, and it's a bit of both, and maybe things like laser or contacts or... Or glasses can fix some of it, but the actual amblyopia side of things, unfortunately, you got to detect that. That's me, Dermot. This is the thing I've been saying to Dermot for years that I have literally have that, and it wasn't. Mm. I just I remember at one point I was six and a half. And I said to my mum, I said, "Isn't it funny the way like with one eye you can see everything, and the other eye you can't see anything?" She was like, "What?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." And I was like, "She told me to the doctor immediately." She was like, "Oh yeah, he's got amblyopia, and he, you know it's too late now, kind of thing." So I had my kids tested early. Two of them needed glasses, and they have them or whatever. But yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I have. Yeah. It's not uncommon, and parents will often have a lot of guilt when that happens, but it's very hard to detect it. A mm. young child, if their eyes are straight and, and one eye is a bit weaker, it's very hard to tell because they yeah. function 100%. Yeah. Uh, finally, Sean and Claire is a very happy uh, Claire man today because of the hurling yesterday, but I use the glasses from my local shop for reading the paper. Are they safe to use? <laughs> so those ones you buy safe. for a few quid. Um, <laughs> is he, does he wrecking his eyesight? Well... Yes and no. Well, they, you're not damaging your eyes. And, you know, if someone has perfect distance vision and, and no 
uh, prescription in the distance, then the, even if you go to the optician and get a, a proper pair of glasses, they'll be very similar to the ones you buy off the shelf. Mm. So if they work you're not, and, and you're comfortable, then you're probably not doing any damage. The thing, though, is when you, when you hit around 50 and you need the reading glasses, and if you've never had glasses before, you, maybe no one's looked at your eyes before, and then suddenly you need reading glasses, you'll go along to the optician, they'll check you out, but they'll check a few other things as well. So they'll have a little look at the back of the eye looking for things like macular degeneration. They might check for things like glaucoma that you may not know are happening. So, yeah, it's a bit of a danger. Yes, the glasses will work, but you'll probably get value from just visiting that optician mm. and getting the other things checked once a year or every Sounds time like a year. Sounds like Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen Farrell, ophthalmic surgeon practicing in Dublin. Thank you very much for joining us today. Much appreciated. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am. Today.